0: So I have a question for you. Have you ever thought of yourself as a radical? Maybe you protested a pipeline when you were young or went backpacking across Europe. Or maybe you're looking at me right now like, Tracy, please. Well, I'm here to tell you, saints, there's a whole lot of radicals sitting in this church right now. Because if you have decided to follow Jesus, you are a radical. If you're considering following Jesus, you're becoming a radical. And if you don't agree with me now, I hope you will by the end of the sermon. So in this sermon series, we're diving into the Lord's Prayer together. Alex taught us last week that the Lord's Prayer was a model Jesus gave us For how we speak with our Father. Our prayers don't need to be long and fancy, just real. Because, as Alex said, we don't pray to get God's attention, we already have it. We pray as a way to align ourselves with God's mission. We pray as a way of just talking with our Heavenly Father. We pray to bring glory to him, but we don't pray to curry favor We already have it. When Jesus modeled this way of praying to his disciples, he used a form they were already familiar with. This prayer starts very much like a prayer they said daily in ancient times. That prayer was called the Kaddish, and it started this way. Exalted and hallowed be his name, and may his kingdom come speedily and soon. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? See, Jesus wasn't trying to reinvent the wheel. He was trying to show the disciples they already knew how to pray. They didn't need to memorize long formulas. They just needed to talk to their father. So in this model that Jesus has given us, the prayer starts and ends with praise. In between, we have seven petitions. The first petition is that God's name be praised. Hallowed be thy name. The second petition is what we're going to study today. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. What does it mean when we say, thy kingdom come? Now, with a few notable exceptions, The concept of a kingdom is a little foreign to us. Most of us have not lived under a monarch. (laughs) Our government, which is classified as a constitutional federal republic, is elected and influenced by the people it governs. Now, on a very basic level, our government does two things. It creates and enforces laws, and it provides for some of our needs. The laws that the government creates are meant to help us live together in community on a very basic level, right? Like don't steal from each other, don't kill each other. The government also provides for some of our needs, education, transportation, God willing, healthcare someday. But in a kingdom, a true monarchy, not not the government of England, but a true monarchy, the king or the queen can do much more than that. As the monarch, they have a right to tell their subjects how to live their lives on a very intimate level. They can demand that the entire kingdom follow their set of spiritual beliefs. They can require you to send your children to be in their court. They, even have, they can even decide who lives and who dies. So why, my fellow Americans, would any of us be crazy enough to say, thy kingdom come? Do you realize the radical nature of what you're saying? You're asking Jesus to come and be the king of your life. This is a prayer of submission. Not my will be done, your will be done. In this prayer, we're saying God is the one in charge. God has the right to determine the rules. He tells us what is good, He tells us what honors Him and what does not. We don't get to decide. That's hard to swallow. This idea that we have to give over control. That something greater than ourselves is at work in this world and has authority over us. This is not a comfortable idea. But it is a good idea. For at least two reasons. The first reason is because as the writer Anne Lamott puts it. We are all petty, narcissistic, secretly insecure, and in it for ourselves. You see what I did there? I used a quote to say something pretty rude to all of you. Gives me an out if anyone's insulted. But why did I do that? Well, as my fellow seminarians pointed out to me many years ago, I did that because I want people to like me. I, I like it when people say nice things to me. I pray every time I preach that God would take that motivation out of the equation. But as I was writing this sermon, it hit me. Oh, look, that hard thing you wanted to say. You let someone else say it for you. So obviously I can be petty, narcissistic, and insecure. What about all of you? Maybe a little? Well, I'm afraid, brothers and sisters, that Anne Lamott isn't the only one who said that. St. Paul said it just as bluntly. If you'd open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 3, starting at verse 10. So you've got the Gospels, then Acts, then Romans. I think it's page 940. Romans chapter 3, starting at verse 10. St. Paul said, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So St. Paul tells us we are unrighteous, we don't understand, we don't seek God, and we are not good. I don't know, that probably doesn't sit any better with you than Anne Lamott's statement did, but Paul's pretty clear that all of us are like this. See how he repeats the phrase is none, no not one, no one, no one, no one, not even one. <laughs> it's pretty clear. It's a universal description. If you need any more convincing, just think for a moment about the Bible stories you know. From the garden to the ark, to the golden calf, to crucify him, crucify him. It's clear how universally broken humanity is. But that's why having an authority over us outside of ourselves is a good idea. We need an authority that isn't petty, narcissistic, and in it for themselves. And thankfully... We have a king who isn't any of those things. Jesus was always in it for other people. In the Gospel of Matthew alone, I counted 16 different stories of Jesus healing people, sometimes big groups of people. In Matthew chapter 4, it says, So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick. Those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. This king that we're submitting to is full of compassion. At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus declared he promised to bind up the brokenhearted. He promised freedom for the captives, recovery of sight for the blind, comfort for all who mourn, release from darkness and the favor of the Lord. We have a king who is full of mercy and compassion. But what of this kingdom that we're praying for? What's that like? The way Jesus spoke about the kingdom was both extraordinary and unexpected. When ancient people heard Jesus speaking about the kingdom, it confused them. They wanted to believe that Jesus was the long-awaited savior of the Jewish people, but he kept doing it wrong. This wasn't the warrior king triumphant that they were expecting. Jesus kept talking about things like love and forgiveness, not conquest (laughs) he called his kingdom a place of virtue a place where evil is driven out from before it and then there were the people jesus invited to be part of his kingdom he didn't look for business tycoons and gorgeous women he surrounded himself with traitors and blind men middle-aged women and children Jesus took everyone's expectation of the kingdom and turned it upside down. The kingdom, Jesus proclaims, is one of freedom, comfort, release, and favor. A kingdom where the king himself wipes the tears from our eyes. The king himself has thrown open the doors of the kingdom His arms spread wide on the hard wood of the cross. Welcome each one of us into that kingdom. Welcome each one of us into his protection and care. This is the kind of king we pray to when we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's a good idea to pray this prayer. We're broken people. We need someone in authority over us. Someone that isn't in it for themselves. Jesus is that kind of a king. It's a good idea to pray this prayer. But that doesn't make it any less radical. The kingdom we're calling for isn't one of easy living... Jesus isn't promising soft beds, a smooth road, a chicken in every pot. He tells us, in this world, you will have trouble. Many years ago, when Jamie and I decided to leave behind our home, our families, and our jobs (laughs) to come to seminary, the Lord was really gracious to us. We quickly found a nice home to rent in Airbridge. We found people to rent our old house in Rhode Island. We got a grant to help us pay for seminary. Jamie got a part-time job. We were so grateful. We felt like we could do this radical thing and uproot our whole family because all these things were falling into place. I told this story to a friend of mine in seminary at the time. His name was Travis. I framed it as a story of God providing I said, I knew everything was going to be okay, so I felt confident in following my call to seminary. My friend challenged me. He said, What if everything wasn't going to be okay? Would you still obey the call? That was when I realized I had a whole new thing to learn. I needed to learn what it meant to follow a king. A king who might ask hard things of me. A king I must honor, even when it was uncomfortable and hard. A king I must obey. Well, I'm thankful the Lord started teaching me that lesson 17 years ago, because there's been a lot of times in my life where things were not okay. Things are not okay right now. Look at me, standing in front of all of you, all bald-headed because of my cancer treatment. Cancer is not okay. Sometimes I've held on to my faith just by a thread. But most of all, Jesus has held on to me. Jesus has been using his people to remind me that even when I can't see it, He has compassion on me. He's not left me, so I hang on by his grace. I look to the promises of the coming kingdom when this earthly kingdom is just too ugly. I remember Jesus promises to make all things new. And so I pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Sometimes I really mean it. Sometimes I just do it out of obedience and trust that my heart will follow. So let me close with this. Don't be afraid to admit that you are petty and insecure and need someone in authority over you. Don't be afraid to submit to this king, my friends. He is merciful and compassionate. But don't kid yourselves. If you pray this prayer, if you mean it, who knows what the Lord will ask of you? Let us pray.